Um, so you may be aware today that we're doing a baptism! Hooray! Um, so I thought it would be a good idea to cover what on earth that is. Because <laughs> some of you may not be familiar with it. It may be something that seems completely bonkers. It may be something that's sort of slightly outside your experience. So I thought I'd go through it and sort of just give you a sort of baptism 101 lowdown. It won't take very long. I think it's going to take like 10 minutes, something like that. So it'll be quite short. So hopefully I won't bore you to death. Um, so what is baptism? So it's hard to talk about baptism without first talking about Mr. Baptism himself, John the Baptist. So you may have heard of him. He was like, he was like, he wasn't just John. He was John the Baptist. He was like Mr. Baptizing people. Um, so he was around the same time as Jesus. Uh, he started his ministry very slightly before, was Jesus' cousin. Um, so I'll read a bit from Mark 1, which says, In the wilderness, uh, John was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So the first thing that I think it's really important to understand with baptism is that it's this public statement this declaration that you're making, not just, you know, in the, in the quiet and safety of your own little room with no one watching, but it's something you're publicly proclaiming that, you know, I'm a sinner, I've messed up, and I need your forgiveness, God. So that's the first of three things that I think we can take away from John the Baptist, this, this public statement, this public declaration that I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. Second is that it was really symbolic and evocative, and this is something maybe that we don't realize quite so much now because we're further away from all that stuff that happened in history. But um, there's this bit in 1 Peter, which I've got up here, which says, so this is referring to Noah and the ark. Anyone sort of not familiar with Noah and the ark, that sort of story? Good, most of you. Um, so it says, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism. Flood waters brought death. New life began for humanity after emerging from the waters of death. So that would have been sort of imagery that they were really familiar with at the time. This idea of the waters of death that washed away the sinful humanity and then sort of Noah and his family beginning this new life after exiting these waters of death. So that would have been really familiar. You had Moses as a little child. So when Moses was born, uh, Pharaoh at the time was not massively happy with the Israelites, to put it gently. Um, so he decided it would be a great idea and a fun thing to just murder a load of newborn baby children. Um, so if you were a little, an Israelite boy and you were born, you would get thrown into the River Nile and drowned. That's fun, isn't it? Yay! <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the Nile was just this, this waters of death again for the Israelite people. Moses... Um, in his birth was placed on that river, those rivers of death, in his own little ark, really, in the basket that was made for him. And then he was drawn out of that water, like picked up by, uh, I think it was Pharaoh's daughter, who took him in and, you know, took care of him. And he went from this sort of these, these waters of death to, water, to this new life. And later on, Moses, uh, you know, God parted the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelite people, and they walked through these waters of death on either side into this new life and this new beginning for them. And then the waters rushed in afterwards, wiping out all the Egyptians that were chasing them. So this idea of sort of waters of death and then new life having come out of those waters was imagery that would have been really familiar uh, to people at the time. And we don't necessarily always appreciate that. So that's important to remember. And then the third thing, 
is that John said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. And then he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the baptism that John performed was this sort of act of preparation for someone who was to follow John, the one who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, can anyone you know, think of who that might be? Jesus! Yes, well done. Good, well done. And the great thing about this is, in the Old Testament, there's quite often sort of the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming, but some people, you know, it didn't happen in their lifetime. There was hundreds or thousands of years for a lot of people who heard, you know, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, and they didn't see it in their lifetime. The guys who uh, John here told, one is coming who will baptize you with the Spirit and fire, John goes, there he is! You know, it's, it's Jesus is walking by one day. It's like, there's the guy. There's the one who will baptize you with, with spirit and fire. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So they didn't have to wait long, which was nice. Uh, but it's important to realize that John's baptism alone uh, wasn't the full story, wasn't the full picture. It didn't really help. It was a sort of acknowledgement of sin saying, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And I need your forgiveness, God. I appreciate that. I'm messed up and I've done things wrong and I've made mistakes. But it didn't fix anything. It was an, I need you, God, to forgive me. But God was at that point saying, well, there's a price to be paid for that forgiveness. I'm a God of justice. And you've, you know, as humanity, you've walked away from me. There's a price that has to be paid, uh, which is why it says in 1 Peter, baptism is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus that these waters have real uh, power and real meaning because of what Jesus did and what he accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. It says in Colossians 2, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So for sort of Christians in the New Testament, the waters of death and the new life that followed was a little less abstract. It wasn't just waters of death and sort of new life afterwards. It was a specific death. It was the death of Jesus on the cross. And in going down into those waters, you're with him on the cross and you were dying that death. And then you are raised to life in the, with Jesus as he rises from the dead. So it becomes less sort of vague and more specific, uh, which is really cool. Uh, so this is where we get the term born again. Has anyone heard, like, heard Christians described as born again Christians? Sounds, you know, people go, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a born again Christian. It sometimes feels a bit like top trumps. Um, but you know, it's this idea of this new life that's begun. I've left the old life of sin and the life of opposition to God in the waters, in the grave, and I've been born again, reborn into this, this new place, this new life. So that's where that term comes from. Uh, Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. So Jesus, again, is using this being born, this, this new life, this re new beginning. And he says, of water and the Spirit. And that's important because, harking back to the first slide, uh, John says, the one who is coming will baptize you with fire. Ooh, uh, it's like cheeky color slide change. Um, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, you know, Jesus came and it, was, you know, it didn't just stop at the water of saying, I need to be forgiven, God. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for what you've accomplished. But Jesus also came that we might be baptized with fire, that we would receive the Holy Spirit 
and be empowered with that and you know not just be sort of oh you know you've got this new life you're on your own now but you've got this new life and i'm going to help you in it i'm going to help you to make good choices i'm going to help you to live righteously and become more like me uh, so this uh, verse in acts 2:38 sort of lived with me more than i realized it did but it says each of you must repent of your sins and turn to god and be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So growing up, I took this, I think, way too literally. I sort of used this as like the three stages of Christianity that you must repent of your sins and turn to God, that that was like your, your prayer of salvation, God, I need you, I'm sorry for my sin, uh, please, you know, may I become your child. Be baptized into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, so, you know, the baptism of water. And then, and only then, will you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I got very confused growing up when I'd go to things and there'd be uh, people who'd you know, come to church quite recently maybe and hadn't been baptized and suddenly one of them like, just exploded with the gift of tongues and was like, what's happening? What's coming out of my mouth? I was like, oh my goodness, okay. And then there's me going, you've done it in the wrong order. <laughs> you know, but Peter himself in Acts 10 is speaking to a bunch of Gentiles um, and he's, he's, he's talking about Jesus and praying for them, and suddenly the Holy Spirit just falls on them. And they're there, you know, praying in tongues and doing all the stuff that happens when you're filled with the Spirit. And they hadn't been baptized with water yet. And so Peter says, what's going to stop them now? You know, now clearly it's okay for these people uh, to be God's people, so let's baptize them with water. So I think it's important to say that everyone's journey is slightly different. So you may get filled with the Spirit before you get dunked. You may get dunked and then be filled with the Spirit. You may get dunked and get instantly filled with the Spirit at the same time. It, it, there's no, it's, this isn't like a, a tick list which you have to run in order kind of thing. You know, God is at work in your life and you need to be baptized with water and fire, but you know, there's no set way of that happening. Uh, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to do today, uh, except we're not going anywhere, we're staying here. Um, but yeah, we're going to do that. We will say, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Splosh. And then, you know, bring them back up. And the good news is this. It says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. That is a Jesus Christ guarantee. You can take that to the bank. If you believe and you've been baptized you will be saved. If you're in doubt of your salvation, you're going, well, you know, I, I've maybe not lived the best life since I've done those things, but it doesn't matter. You're saved. If you've been baptized and you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you are saved. There is no getting away from that. And there's a challenge in Acts 22, which I like, which is, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Um, it's, it's interesting. In the New Testament, it seems like uh, you read that people sort of came to a realization of who Jesus was and trusted him for their salvation. And nine times out of ten, they got baptized that very day. It's, it seems strange that somehow over time we've separated them into two sort of separate events. But at the time, it's like they, were, they believed and were baptized. It was sort of in the same breath almost that those things happened. Um, so, and just what are you waiting for? I've known people sort of hold off for various reasons. And I would challenge you. If you believe that Jesus died for you, if you are trusting in him for your salvation and you've not been baptized, don't put it off. Go for it. What's holding you back? What are you waiting for? And it's very exciting um, you know, to, 
Andrew and Lucy, you can say, well, what are you waiting for? And they can say, nothing, nothing, we're, do we're doing it. Shut up, John. Um, so, you know, just, it's encouraging to you to, you know, if you haven't done it, consider it, it's important. Um, so what is baptism? It's lots of things. So it's sort of imagery of the, like, the waters of death and this new life that begins. It's more specifically the death and resurrection of Jesus and you're going into the grave and coming out of the grave with him. It's... Uh, it's, it's very cold, you know, amongst other things at the moment. So, you know, it's an act of faith and commitment saying, you know, God, I need you. I know I need your help. So I think this, I'll stop talking now because you've heard enough from me.